Hello and welcome to the Branches of Time. Sorry it's been a while, but we're back. I'm your host, Henson, with, here with my co-host, Amber. And we are excited to bite into our topic today. It's a juicy one, folks. Henson and I had a couple good laughs while we were preparing for today. We hope you enjoy it, too. History can be a serious and difficult topic, but it can sometimes be wacky and weird, too. We're going to be a little bit wacky today as we visit a time when fruit stood trial. Hold up. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, aren't we forgetting something? I don't think so. Did I forget to feed the dog again? No, we need to do the history of today. Oh, of course. Every episode we start off with a segment about something that happened on this day in history. How could I forget? So do you have it for us today? I forgot. (sighs) I'll do it. Everyone, welcome to the The History History of of Today. This time for the History of Today, we are wishing a happy birthday to the inventor of the Frisbee. Fred Morrison was born on January 23rd, 1920. He got the idea for the Frisbee on a trip to the beach. He and his wife were playing a game of catch, but they didn't have a ball with them. Instead, they were using a cake pan. Someone offered to buy it from him, giving him the idea to make and market the Frisbee toy. Thank you, Henson. This has been the History of Today. Now can we tell them about my favorite trial from 1820? Absolutely. Why don't you start? Okay. In order to tell the story of this trial, we need to take a step back farther in time. Much farther. You see, the trouble was really the fault of the Europeans who were coming to the American continent. Amongst all of the other trouble they were stirring up, they were also discovering a lot of plants. In the 1500s, the Spanish are credited with first bringing tomato seeds to southern Europe. Tomatoes had been used by the Aztecs and other civilizations, but southern Europeans did not love the tomato for its flavor. They mostly liked it for its bright red color, and as the years went on, it was considered more and more of a decoration. Some of these Europeans gave tomatoes a bad reputation. Through bad research and superstition, the tomato was considered by many people to be bad for the body, even sinful. By the 1700s, many people didn't just not eat tomatoes they had started to fear them think of that people were afraid of the beautiful ripe red tomatoes that we grow in our gardens but this fear didn't just come from superstition they'd notice a pattern of people getting sick after eating tomatoes sometimes really really sick in these circles this fruit was now considered poisonous of course tomatoes back then they were really not Worse than the tomatoes now, they were still excellent sources of vitamins and taste just as good. But because people believed it was the tomatoes making them ill, Europeans, both in Europe and the American continent, avoided them at all costs. Finally, one man decided that enough was enough. He was going to correct this misconception of the cheerful red fruit once and for all. His name was Robert Gibbon Johnson. Robert lived in Salem, New Jersey, and honestly, he was just tired of all the non- this nonsense. 
He knew tomatoes were just were safe to eat, and he was willing to show the rest of the town and the rest of the world how wrong they were. This is what is now sometimes referred to as the Salem Tomato Trial of 1820. Essentially, what Robert did was publicly challenge everyone. He brought into the town square outside the courthouse a large basket of tomatoes. He proceeded to eat every tomato in front of, well, anyone who wanted to watch, I guess. People gathered around, expecting for him to bend over in pain any moment, but he, of course, that never happened. Robert emptied the basket and was perfectly fine. People in the town saw firsthand that tomatoes are not, in fact, poisonous, and the clearing of the tomatoes' good name had begun. I hope you haven't forgotten that people have, in fact, been getting sick all these years, and it wasn't all in their heads. But instead of the tomato being responsible, it was the fault of the dining traditions of the wealthy. Yes, you see, back in the 1700s, the plates were often made of metal. The pewter plates used by most wealthy individuals at the time contained high levels of lead. And unlike tomatoes, lead is poisonous. What tomatoes do have plenty of is acid. The natural acid brought out the lead in the plants, and that's how people kept getting poisoned. The innocent tomato had taken the blame for the dirty work of the lead. Now that the tomatoes were found not guilty, over time it started to be accepted by the communities who had once feared it. Now it is praised for the great health benefits it offers, and whether in soup, juice, or salad, it's a staple of a lot of people. It didn't take too long for this change in attitude to become universal. In fact, just over 10 years after the Salem tomato trial in 1834, a man named John Cook Bennett added tomatoes to ketchup. Yep. Until then, ketchup had been a sauce made of a mixture of fish and mushrooms. Bennett claimed the tomato ketchup was a medicine and could cure diarrhea and indigestion. This guy really wanted people to believe in this he even made it into pills to make it seem more like a medicine. I like a good tomato, but that's taking it a little too far, don't you think? You said it, from poison to curing just in 10 years. The tomato has a really mixed up history. I think I'll stick to eating my ketchup on fries in liquid form and leave the ketchup pills to the past. A wise choice, tomato pills actually led to a bit of a mess anyway. When others saw how popular these tomato pills were becoming, they wanted in on the action. More and more people started selling tomato pills. And as the number of pills on the market grew, the claims that the salesmen were making grew too. These little pills were said to cure everything from scurvy to jaundice. Some even said they could help mend broken bones. Now the pills that Bennett was making might not have been able to cure illnesses like he had claimed, but they were made of tomatoes, and so they at least had some vitamins in them. They was not the that was not the case for these new ones coming to the market. Some of Bennett's competitors' products were no more than laxatives packaged to look like tomato pills. This, combined with the outlandish claims, made it a very short-lived fad. People couldn't be duped forever. By 1850, the tomato pill was pretty much gone. 
Luckily for French fry lovers everywhere, tomato ketchup remains a topping. Just don't expect it to heal your stomachache. You know what I realized while we were researching these two stories? Tomatoes went from being public enemy number one and the expected cause of stomach issues and illness to being considered a magic cure-all for exactly what people had been blaming them for. I wonder if Robert hadn't cleared their name in 1820, if Bennett would have turned them into a medicine in the 1830s. And if it hadn't become so popular due to all the medicine claims, would tomato ketchup still have become so widely used? Maybe we would be eating fish and mushroom sauce on our hot dogs and hamburgers instead. In that case, Robert Johnson is a hero. I'll agree with you there. I think it's about time to wrap up our discussion on tomatoes. Before we go, how about some tomato humor? Oh, yes. You go first. Why are tomatoes the slowest vegetable? Why? Because they can't catch up. (laughs) Good one. I have one, too. How do you fix a broken tomato? How? With tomato paste. (laughs) Very nice. Hey, listeners, if you have any jokes you want us to share, head over to branchesoftime.com and send it to us on our Contact Us page. And it doesn't have to be a tomato joke either. We would love to hear any of your favorite jokes. If you send it, we will try to work it into a future episode. We know what that sound means. It's time for Quiz Corner. Amber, remind everyone last week's question. Where did Abraham Lincoln keep important papers and notes? And here to give our answer is our helpful assistant, Nadia. Nadia, where did Abraham Lincoln keep important papers and notes? His hat! That's right, the tall hat Lincoln was famous for is more than just a fashion statement. It is said to have kept notes tucked inside the lining where they would be close at hand. Thank you for Nadia. Congratulations to everyone who knew last episode's question. And here to give us this episode's question is Elise. Where is the world's largest known tomato plant? If you think you know the answer, go to branchesoftime.com and send it our way. This is all for today. Thank you for listening to Branches of Time. And remember, knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. See you next time and goodbye.